This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm joined on the phone lines by my friends uh, Arif Ruse, the man with the news. Say hello, Arif. Hello, Richard. Hello, Daniel. Hello, everybody. And of course, uh, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Richard. Hello, Arif. Hello, listeners. And thank you for joining us yet again for another session of Cruise Control. And of course, a show in two parts. In part one, some news. And in part two, we'll be looking at the uh, Volkswagen Polo and a used car review of the Peridum Ivy. Because why not? Is it the best car for a teenager or not? But of course, as usual, Mr. Ruse, can we start off with some news? Of course we can, Richard. So, uh, there was actually quite a bit of news that happened last week. There was Honda announcing a bunch of different things. The government announced a bunch of different things, but we're going to put that aside because apparently Gran Turismo, the video game, will be part of an official Olympic event. What? Yeah. If only they'd have brought this out 20 years ago, I'd be world champion by now. I know, right? All those wasted talents. I know, right? You're such a dreamer, Richard. Anyway... <laughs> This uh, Olympic event is actually called the Olympic Virtual Series, where they have virtual sports. So on top of motor racing, which is Gran Turismo, they have cycling, rowing, sailing, and baseball. I guess it's kind of an eSports Olympics, basically. Mm -hmm. I like that. My only question is, do they weigh the athletes for this kind of games? I... Don't know. Because a lot of them will be couch boys, you know. Oh, I I thought you were worried that you might have plunked on a few pounds during the pandemic. No, 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 no. Because (laughs) these are not, come on, these are not real athletes, athletes, you know. Oh, oh. There's a few people that might disagree. I know people are going to disagree, but I'm sorry. This is not my cup of tea when it comes to calling someone an athlete. I can sort of agree with that. Because if you try to imagine like virtual sports cycling, you, you know, connect your bicycle to a playstation you've still still got to use your legs what about baseball it'd be much like a wii right i'd imagine so yeah but i i think something like this obviously you're not sat in a car you're not exposed to you know potentially life and death situations you're not skidding around and all of that kind of stuff but the amount of concentration you've got to put in the amount of focus you have to give and the amount of practice is not too dissimilar agreed same as sitting on the toilet I agree with you, Rich, because I played Gran Turismo online and it can get very, very intense. People actually do shout at you sometimes. Yes. And they take their revenge if you drive wrongly and all that stuff. And then, you know, Gran Turismo Academy themselves, they have famously produced a lot of professional racing drivers through Gran Turismo, the game. Mm -hmm. And of course, in, you know, my life growing up, I've always played Gran Turismo. And if you've ever tried driving six hours endurance, just sitting on a chair with a steering wheel right in front of you, staring at the TV, that's harder than you think. Hey, at least you had a steering wheel. We had to use those old things, you know, those old controllers back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. We we would do the whole Gran Turismo, you know, six, seven, eight hours and we'd be doing it in shifts and we did the whole <laughs> thing properly. You know, it, 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 yeah. there's no messing around. It, it's tough work, but it, it's obviously not as tough as sitting in a car and doing it for real. But there you go. I will concede that point. So verdict. I think there should be a whole section, a whole new sporting series just for virtual sports, but you can't mix it with actual sports. You can't call it an Olympic event. You could call it the E-Olympics, right? Or yes, e-sport yes. Olympic. Yeah, that's fine. You know, yeah. give good prizes out and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. It's a pretty good name, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's why we'll leave it at that. It's a pretty good idea. I'm kind of looking forward to it to see how it turns out. But we have a bunch of new cars to go through, starting with the Volvo S90 facelift. And I honestly can't tell what's changed. Ouch. Well, new light treatment, you know, finer details around the car. Basically, it's Volvo telling Malaysians recharge is coming. Recharge means they have full electric car range. So instead of jumping straight into the whole electric car program, one by one, they're naming their vehicles recharge. Like it started with the XC40, and then now it's this, and then soon all the rest. And then before you know it, actual full electric Volvos will be here. And I think it'll be as soon as early next year. Yeah. I think the best part about this Volvo, though, is the design's five years old, but it still looks pretty fresh to me. I quite like it, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you think then, Daniel, if the, if the new ones are coming next year, that people should perhaps, I don't know, hold off buying this facelifted version until next year? Yes, but the one that comes next year, if it d- does come, will be a full electric. This is still a plug-in hybrid. Right. Now, not everybody wants a full electric car yet, you know? True. So, example for me, I can't afford a full electric car simply because I need to have it ready to run. When I need it, I can't wait for charging time and I can't mm. afford a full-blown supercharger, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. So mm. the people who are buying Porsche Taycans, they should be looking at something like this. This Volvo that was launched, they've technically just updated their line. So they still have the T5 Momentum, which is 330,000 ringgit, which is a fair price, around 5 Series ballpark. Uh, it's not a hybrid, this one. This is a turbocharged four-cylinder making 255 horsepower with an eight-speed gearbox. You get new paint colors, new interior wood trim with that open-pore wood trim, which is uh, fabulous to touch, actually. Oh, fabulous, fabulous. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, you've got 10-speaker audio system, full safety kit uh, as per Volvo, which also comes with a semi-autonomous driving capabilities. And as Daniel mentioned just now, they're rebranding everything to become recharge mm. t8 inscription plus this top of the line model 359,000 ringgit turbo supercharged and an electric motor combined together to make the t8 over 400 horsepower and newton meters of torque with slightly improved 58 kilometers of electric range and because this is the top line and it's a volvo they give you literally everything you get the same paint and interior choices but with 19 speakers 1400 watt sound system Heads-up display, a crystal gear selector, which one of our other producers called Ice Cube, and then Daniel made a little pun about that. A, a terrible little pun, we, we should And they also give you diamond-cut accents on stuff like the volume knobs and the switches and everything, which is quite nice. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I love a good sound system in a car, but 19 speakers. Do, do we really need 19 speakers? Oh, but the sound separation, the whole experience, it is worth it. All right. This is on okay. part what a Lexus LS gives you, you know, the top the range LX. Mm-hmm. Rich, you would consider yourself some sort of uh, audiophile, right? Mm. Yeah. I mean, apparently in the in the press release they said something uh, where the tweeter was embedded inside a speaker itself. Okay. Which is to me very very interesting, and they were explaining like, oh, it provides real clarity with good resonance or all of those fancy words. It, it just seems a little bit excessive to me. You know, I'm quite happy with two big fat speakers in the front and a sub in the back, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) I prefer two slim speakers at the back. I don't like fat speakers. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, we shall leave that at that. Right. S90, very, very interesting car. But in even more interesting car is the Alpine a110 mm. and it is the contemporary two-seat sports car because it just looks so cool it does yeah yeah 
I was not expecting this car to arrive in Malaysia at all. Yeah, me too. Yes, because Alpine was first shown two years ago at the Singapore Motor Show and mm. it was brought in by Werns Singapore, which is a big multi-brand uh, car business group. And when they showed the car, they only had a left-hand drive. And then I asked them, you know, why only left-hand drive? They said, oh, this car is so exclusive. It's so difficult to get a right-hand drive. We're bringing in this left-hand drive just to show the public to gauge some interest. And since then... Singapore, you know, Singaporeans, when they're rich, they're really rich, but they've only bought a handful of these right-hand drive Alpine cars. Mm. And there's not been such a big take-up because also the price is very high. 320,000 ringgit, in money, our money ringgit, tax-free price. Oh. So that's a lot of money for a small 1.8-liter turbocharged car, but it's a very specialized sports car. So a couple of years down the road, we, we didn't see anything, no whisper in the in the community. And then one day, someone at the Renault showroom in Malaysia posts a picture of this car. He's standing next to this car. <laughs> and I called him up. I said, what, what's going on here? You know, He says, oh, the, the car just arrived a couple of days ago. We're just doing a very, very quiet preview. I said, sorry, you put it on Facebook. There's no such thing as quiet. No. I rushed over there, took a couple of pictures, um, got all the details from them. The thing is, Renault in Malaysia are not officially selling this car. Ah. Okay, but let me explain a little bit because a lot of people out there are going to be confused. Alpine is owned by Renault Group globally. Mm-hmm. They used to be a company by themselves. But of course, many years ago, Alpine was bought over by Renault. So it became part of their brand. But it has to be totally separate. For example, like what Toyota and Lexus do. Yeah. So you can't have Alpine in a Renault showroom or a Nissan showroom because Renault and Nissan are also partners, right? So Alpine has to have its own specialized showroom. Now, in our market and also like Singapore and all that, nobody is going to invest in a standalone showroom for a car, for a car brand. It only has one model. Right. Because they don't have a photo. They don't have a different variant. They've just got different types of models of the Alpine a10. So they got like an off-road version. They've got a, a one with more spoilers on it. They got one which is dressed down, but it's the same initial car. Yeah. So nobody's gonna do it unless they've got silly amounts of money. And you know, in Malaysia now, you don't have a Cataram showroom, you don't have a Lotus showroom. These are all very specialist cars that come out of UK. So Alpine coming out of France is also another specialist car. So don't look forward to having a special showroom for him. But here's the best part: they are taking orders. <laughs> oh, very nice. <laughs> they tell me all that, but then they say, but we are taking orders. So you're saying pre-tax price is, is what, three three twenty or so, or so? Yes. So if you pay all the taxes, it's 700,000 ringgit. My word. It's a lot of money. It is. So in Europe, in UK, in Germany, and wherever else this car is sold very well, it competes directly with the Porsche Cayman. Mm. I guess in some way it kind of does too here because the Cayman is 650,000 ringgit as well. Exactly. So between this and the Cayman, now the Cayman, well, it's Porsche. They've got a little bit more power on it. It got a little bit more aggression. The Porsche is slightly bigger. The Cayman has grown, right? Yeah. Because it's been fed well over the years. His little reptile has grown. <laughs> but the Alpine is, it's a, it's a small car. So it's, in terms of size, it's competing directly with the Lotus Exige, for example. Okay. Mm. Yeah. But, at the moment, Lotus officially is here, but they don't have a showroom and they are not selling any cars right now because their cars are still bonded in Langkawi. <laughs> yeah. So if you think about it, you know, 730000 you got to be really rich or you got to have like a 
big expat salary, like you know who Arif, I know I don't want to say name <laughs> because listeners have been saying I'm bullying the expats with the big salaries. <laughs> well, it's true. You have been bullying the expats. <laughs> yes. uh, but anyway, uh, speaking about Porsches, um, there's a facelift, isn't there? The Panamera has got a bit of a facelift too. Yes, you're right on track. There's only the one model that they're bringing from the facelift. And it's just called the Panamera. There's no fancy Panamera Turbo S or Panamera Carrera 4S or whatever. And what that means is even though it costs 1 million ringgit and change, it's uh, it's not that fast. <laughs> it's a base model, essentially. So you got a 2.9 liter bi-turbo V6, 325 horsepower, 450 newton meters of torque, and a 5.4 second sprint. Along with, you know, the facelifts and everything, you have the new mm-hmm. rear light strip. A tweaked front bumper, a new steering wheel and infotainment. Really not that much has changed except for a few nip and tuck things like uh, what Volvo did to their S90. But I guess the big question is, for 1 million, for a base model Panamera, that's kind of too much money because you can afford all three other German brands for similar money. And they go much faster. I love, how, I love how you said it's not too fast, yet it's 2.9 litre turbo, it's a V6, it's 325 horsepower, <laughs> it's 5.4 second. It's still pretty fast. It's still pretty it's, fast, but okay, let's, let's go back, you know, just rewind a little bit and look at what the Volvo S90 T8 inscription is offering. 400 <laughs> brake horsepower. It's probably a little bit slower, but then it's about a third the price. Yeah. Okay. So I guess the question is, three S90s or one Panamera? Yes, but the thing is, when you arrive in three Volvo S90s, you don't create the attention that you get in one Panamera. You, you do if you arrive in one and leave in another. That's possible also. You know, you, you, you turn up in a green one, you're like, nah, just leave the green one there. I'll take the black one home. <laughs> you know. That shows then, really, yeah. Or if you're going out as a couple, each come in one Volvo S90. That's right. And let the maid have the other one. Yes. And then you can tell your, your the people that you're visiting, hey, we got so much money, we bought two. Oh, dear. Now you're talking about Daniel Fernandez money. Exactly. Yeah. I, was, I was waiting for you to come to that. So from that kind of money, where are we going right now? We're going to take a break right now is what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to have a short break. And of course, when we come back, we'll be looking at the uh, Volkswagen Polo facelift. And then, of course, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a used car review, uh, the Paradour Myvi, the best car for a teenager. We haven't done a Myvi review, have we before? No, we've not. No. Wow. How have we got this far without doing a Myvi review? Really? Simple, because expats don't by my week. Wow. <laughs> anyway, this is Cruise Control here <laughs> on BFM 89.9. Because freedom matters. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury. On the phone lines with me, as usual, Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. And of course, Arif Ruz, the man with the news. Hello, fellas. Welcome back. Just for the break, we were talking about some expensive cars. Um, Now, one that's not too expensive, but not too cheap. And it's had a nice little facelift. Yep. And we're going to be talking about the Volkswagen Polo. Um, problem is, we've never seen the new one, the one that is supposed to be facelifting on, you know, the sixth generation Volkswagen Polo. And why is that, Daniel? Yeah, Daniel. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I I think the Volkswagen brand owners in Malaysia are not too bothered about bringing in a new model because 
the previous model, it's still it's still a good-looking vehicle, even though it's an old model. But because they do a CKD and they earn quite a bit of margin on this vehicle and it's really aging already. But as long as they find people coming and buying it, I, I think they see no reason to bring in a newer model. And this is why, if you think about it, the Volkswagen brand in Malaysia seems to be diminishing in terms of sales, diminishing mm. in terms of uh, service outlets, diminishing in terms of showrooms. Will the brand diminish completely? We don't know, you know? Mm. So I don't think there's any forward plan. I mean, the last time they had some excitement was the Volkswagen Atian and the Tiguan Allspace. Right. Yeah. But that was, you know, since then there's been nothing. And, you know, this is the kind of segment you want to play with because why? This is where Malaysians are the most in terms of purchasing power. Mm-hmm. You know, below 100,000 ringgit. And if you think about it, this Polo is actually very good looking and very well equipped. It is. It looks really smart. Especially the purple version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this facelift, uh, I think by the time they make a decision to actually bring this in, the seventh generation might already be out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this facelift uh, is designed to keep up with the new Volkswagen Golf, which, Daniel, is it coming here? There are rumors that it's already here. There are rumors it's already being built in Pekan. I've not seen it for myself. The showrooms have not had it in their showrooms. There's been no unveiling, no information. We'll have to wait and see. That new Golf, it comes with that like L-shaped background. The design is a lot sharper. They have these cool new lights at the front and a fantastically digital interior. So this Polo gets everything like that. Updated L-shaped realized front light bar. It sports the new Volkswagen logo. It has a new infotainment system and comes with digital instruments as standard. Um, so the engine is quite interesting though. Apparently, there are only three variants that you can buy in Europe, and all of them are one-liter three-cylinders. Two of them are turbos, and they all make either 80, 90, or 110 horsepower, which I suppose these days, you know, with how responsive engines are, you don't really need that much power anymore, Exactly. It'll be a great city car. It'll be a great commuter car. It's an about-town car, isn't it? Yes, and it's not a small car because I think it's about the size of the fourth-generation Golf, you know? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's now, grown in size. Speaking about getting around town cars, right? There yeah. is a Malaysian classic that not only is its own meme, but every Malaysian recently, it seems to be their first car, for the most part, apart from you, Arif, of course. Um, it seems to be their first <laughs> car. Um, the beloved Paradua Myvi. Mm. So I guess, Daniel, to start with, why are we reviewing such a popular car? Okay. First of all, it's so popular, you don't need a review for this car. That's why we've never reviewed the Myvi ever on the show, okay? Yeah. Now, when someone came to me recently and said, hey, you know, uh, I heard your son has just finished Form 5. My oldest son has just finished Form 5, you know? So he's sitting around, he's waiting for his results, and they said, oh, is he getting his driving lessons sorted out? I said, well, I'm not sending him to a driving school. I am going to teach him. <laughs> but he, he will definitely have to sit for the exam, but I am going to teach him. So, of course, there's a conversation, okay, so what car are you going to give him? Now, I'm not going to give him anything that's sitting in my garage currently. None of your six or 12 cars? None, because they're all <laughs> very, very treasured <laughs> automobiles. And I will not put it in the hands of someone who might, you know, dent it or curb it or even <laughs> drive it in the wrong gear because they're all manual, you know? Yeah. So then they said, no, come on, it's your own flesh and blood. I said, well, those cars are my own metal, oil and gears, you know? So the question is, what would you give your child if they wanted their first car, depending on your budget, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm talking to another parent who also has a child, but his child is slightly younger. And then we were sitting and debating. And then he suggested, oh, you know, you should buy him a new car. I said, 
when you're buying a young adult a new car, it's not wrong. If you have the money, fantastic. You know, six airbags, eight airbags, great safety features and everything else. But my worry has always been when someone has just started driving, which is, I'm taking myself, myself as an example also, and I'm sure, Arif, you'll understand what I'm talking about when you were 17 and got your first car. Mm-hmm. You will definitely have small dings here and there. <laughs> Whether it's the curb or it's a parking ding or, you know, you went to a... Sh- to a shopping mall and you open the door too hard and you hit the wall, you know? I hit a trolley station once. Oh! But you know, that's a story for another time. Yes. I'm, I'm not hearing anything from Richard. Uh, yeah, Richard's not, not yet. <laughs> I <haven't, laughs> well, my, my first car is ever so slightly different, but we'll get to that a little bit later okay. on. And you know, since Richard is still with us, I'm going to say this. You'll never get someone talking about a Myvi in England. But you know, in England, what would have been someone's first car would have been a Ford Fiesta or a Ford yeah. Escort. Yeah, or a Vauxhall yeah. Viva or a Vauxhall yes. Astra, you know? That's right, yeah. These are all British made cars. And then maybe if if you if you were in say, you know, some, somewhere up north England, you'll probably look at a Nissan March. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or a Toyota Corolla because they had factories over there, you know? That's right. Mm-hmm. Right. So the thing is now for Malaysia, we have to think about something local, something cheap, something cheerful. When I say cheerful, I'm talking about maintenance. Yeah. So Along came the conversation, okay, if you're forced to buy second hand. And I use the word forced because why? A lot of parents these days will will keep the older car for themselves and give the, 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 the young adult the brand new car because, oh, my child, he's got a license. She needs a brand new car, you know? <laughs> That seems to be a, a relatively new phenomenon because, <laughs> like everybody around my age at least, had hand-me-downs, big, huge SUVs yes, and MPVs, yes. which we had to drive around. I've been seeing it also with with friends of mine who had, you know, the last few years, as their children passed their driving test, they all got brand new cars. And then I asked them, I said, "Hey, you're still driving your eight-year-old Camry? You're still driving your nine-year-old Nissan? You're still driving your eight-year-old uh, Mazda, whatever? But you're giving your child a brand new car." No, nothing but the best for them. So this is a Malaysian thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It's evolved because in my time, it was, hey, you go and find the cheapest car <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. the smallest engine and then you work it out, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So we talked and I said, okay, for me, I'm not going to give my, my child a new car. There is no way I'm going to let him drive anything that's currently in the garage except when he's with me. With me, no problem, you know? Mm. Which is what has been going on for the last few months. He's been learning to drive with me. So now I've, thought about it and we said, why not a Perdua Myvi? Now, it was a toss-up between a, a Myvi and a Kalisa. Yeah. But the problem is, finding a used Kalisa today is not as easy as you think. They're all rusted out. One thing they're all rusted out and also the good ones are not for sale. Mm. There are plenty of accident damage cars for sale. Once in a blue moon, you might find a, a, a really nice one for sale and it's sold within like 15 minutes of going online, you know? Because people love the Kalisa. But the Kalisa is also a little bit too small. For example, someone like Richard will have difficulty getting in and out of a Kalisa. I do. And then is it like my son, thankfully he's taller than me. So he'll have a little bit of problem getting in and out of a Kalisa. Not that it's very difficult, but then I thought about it. And then finding a good one is another issue. But when you talk about a Myvi, there are so many out there. <laughs> and there are so many one-owner cars in perfect condition. And they fit all sizes. Yeah. Yep. They're a lot more roomy inside than you think, you know. Exactly, exactly. It's deceiving. Yes. And the thing is with the with the Myvi, you see, some people say, oh, there's not enough boot space. Hello, a young adult doesn't need boot space. He's not carrying, a, a you know, a luggage and going out station and doing trips and all that. 
And even if yep. he is, they travel light. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. It's only when you're married with kids that you travel with the kitchen sink and everything else. Because when you're a teenager, the most frequent place that you go to is uh, is the movies. <laughs> Probably, or, you know, a shopping mall or, you know, uh, out of the friends. So bearing in mind that out of the friends also means he'll need a car that at least can carry another four people. Because he'll want to take his friends out. He'll want to show them, oh, I've got a car now. You know, let's, let's cruise, you know. Let's go to the <laughs> shopping mall. Let's, let's go to the cafe. You know, they don't go to stalls anymore, you know. Our, our generation, we went to stalls. They go to cafes, you know. <laughs> so looking at all this, I said, I think a, a used Maivi will be good. And so while sitting down and debating with my friend, I took out my laptop. We started scanning the classifieds. And there's a lot of good Maivis out there. And the price range is quite fun to look at because you can start with a basic 1.3 Myvi. Of course, you've got one liter Myvis. I'm not a big fan of the one liter Myvis because that engine really struggles. Mm. You know? So I would say if, you really, if you're really thinking of budget or you happen to find a really good one liter Myvi, then of course, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. But I would suggest start by looking at a 1.3. And a 1.3 automatic starts at 15,000 ringgit before bargaining. Wow, not bad at all. Not bad. Okay, of course, there's no loan, so you need to pay cash, you know. But yeah. you can start, that's, that's how you can start. And I'm talking about a car that is reasonably well looked after and everything else. Now, if you go up a little bit more, a 2009 model 1.3, which has been facelifted. Now, the facelift is very interesting. It's actually got nicer bumpers. It's got those clear rear lamps and everything else. That's only 18,000 ringgit. Mm. So it's not too bad again. Now, if you take it a little bit higher, 2012 model, you've got you know fresh new colors, you've got body kit, you've got this, you've got that, you've got those, those darkened alloy wheels, 24,000 ringgit. Now, once you come to 2012, you can actually get a five-year loan. Mm. So for a parent on a budget, this means you only put two, maybe 15, 20% down. So you put probably 4,000 ringgit down, 20,000 loan, you'll be paying a couple of hundred every month. It's within... It's within reach. And what it what will happen is you might end up using the car more than your child. Yeah. Because it's easy to park, easy to get around, it's economical, you know? It's yeah. Easy to fix. You don't have to find a specialist mechanic like some people had to find when they had a fuel leak in, in, in their car, you know? Uh, with this car, you can just go to any mechanic, you know? Uh, yeah. If you got even more money, then you get the Myvi 2014 model, which is still around 20 or 1,000 ringgit. They're obviously all very, very cheap. But like sometimes you book a grab or sometimes you get into your friend's cars. Right. Especially the old ones. Sometimes I can't get over the fact that it literally feels like it's going to fall apart. Okay, that's true. Because you know why? Because these cars were relatively cheap to buy to start off with. Mm, yeah. First owners will probably look after the car. Second owners, you know, after a lot of people, after four or five years, they sell the car and then they get a new one because it's not that expensive. You, and the resale values are good. So when you sell after five years, you still get back some money. You can upgrade to a new MyV or you can upgrade to a, another model, okay? Yeah. And, and your monthly installment won't run away that much. This was the magic of the Padua MyV. It enabled a lot of Malaysians to get on the road and not be in the poor house after five years, you know? Mm, mm, mm. Not like if you buy some cars, after five years, you're still paying off the bank loan. Mm. So the second owner, probably someone not that well-to-do, buys this car, and, you know, four or five years ago, you can get 100% loan, you know? You don't have to put any money down. And a lot of these people are, you know, maybe, maybe also students, maybe, you know, young adults, maybe people, first-time job, they don't really look after these cars. And this was before uh, ride-hailing started, you know? 
Yep. They don't stop at potholes. They don't stop at speed bumps. Uh, when it comes to mechanics, they go and ask for second-hand parts because by now there's so many MyVis on the road and there's so many also accident-damaged cars. You start getting a whole bunch of used parts coming into the market. Yep. So when the used parts come into the market, a lot of people on a tight budget will say, oh, just, you know, since the suspension is really worn, I get a used one. Since the, these plastic bits are all cracked, get me a used one. So you also get interiors that are a little bit, you know, different in color, you know? So it's, it's almost like when you buy Myvi, you're constantly trying to keep it running than, than trying to fix everything. Exactly, right? exactly. Because yeah. the, the demographic, the buyer demographic is such. Yeah. So yeah. of course, like I always say, it's great if you can find a one-owner car or a two-owner car with full service history. But that's not always going to be possible. But when we scanned the, the classifiers, we actually found a one-owner teacher car. You know, they put that teacher. So what? That, what does it mean teachers keep extra care of the car, you know? <laughs> another one you know doctor owned oh the, do doctors to look after cars like how they look after patients i don't think so you know <laughs> I, i've met doctors who while examining me were having a cigarette at the corner of the mouth so <laughs> that already says you're not a good doctor you know i mean i, I i've got friends many many friends who all got my v's and here's the thing they still love them you know yes, yes. they they love them with a passion yes. and the weird thing is a lot of these cars that these they've been driving around very rarely does something actually go wrong with them you know yes. and when it does it's not something major yes. it, it's, yep. a, it's a minor little niggle that needs yes. fixing you know and this is a car that will not just break down in the middle of nowhere yeah yeah it'll give you a warning you know yeah oh you know? there you go this is the life and times of malaysia this is what it is yes yes so that is why a lot of people just love this car because they've never had a bad experience with this car mm. yeah okay so we started now thinking okay what do you look out for in a myvi so you have to look out for, you know, cracked interiors, uh, miscolored interiors. That means the car has gone to the junkyard to look for parts, you know. Mm. Then, of mm. course, you have to look underneath the car for any kind of signs of oil leaks and all that. Like I said, this car will just not break down. But they do have oil leaks. They do have parts that need to be changed. But they can still keep running until worst case scenario. You get what I mean or not? Mm. Until you hear a grinding noise or, you know, you hear clunking noises, things like that. And then there's, of course, the body. You want to check and see whether this car has been in a bad accident. To find a totally accident-free Myvi of this age, very difficult. And I doubt it will be worth it. <laughs> because you're going to scratch it out and ding it anywhere anyway. Yeah, but... It's a car that you park under a low-hanging tree and then you just swing the door open and it hits another branch or something like that. Yeah, but you know, maybe the teacher owner didn't do it or maybe the doctor owner didn't. Mm. Or one of those little parking poles that just, you know, are left at the end of a street somewhere and you open the door and you go, tunk. Oh, but no. I, I think the biggest issue is actually when you're in a mall or in a, in a car park and you hit the car next to you, you know? <laughs> because a lot of these car parks have just become so small and the cars have become so big. Yeah. Even though you're super slim like Richard, you get down, you, you have to hit the car next to you. <laughs> you know, you just can't get out of the car, you know? Yeah. Do it Dukes of Hazard style, Daniel. You wind down the windows, get out the window, you know. Yeah, uh, but if you're parked next to a pickup truck, you still can't get out. You just climb <laughs> into the bed of the truck. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I got a belly, I can't climb into any <laughs> truck bed. So anyway, so this Myvi just works out well in so many situations. So uh, we looked at all the options available and we said, this is the car that is needed right now for a young adult. Going out and finding a new job or, you know, going to college or, you know, it's a starter car. And I said, for, for my child, this will be a starter car. I'll put it under his name and it's his. I've paid for it. It's his. Now, it's up to him to look after it, maintain it. And then if in some time in the future, if he wants to upgrade it, he has to find the money to upgrade it. But he's got that base, you know, that, that 
Yeah. Base yep. investment, yes. Yep. So tell me, uh, so tell me, Arif, what was your starter car? My starter car was a hand-me-down Sangyong Rexton. <laughs> that that was at the time it was the SUV to own. Yeah, 2.9 liter diesel. Uh, it was massive. We went on so many road trips when I was in uni, and I mean it was fantastic. One of the things that I appreciate, and I guess it's similar with the Myvi, is that it's bulletproof. Yes. And when you're a teenager, you're. I mean, I thought I was a pretty good driver, but you just hit anything and everything. You climb up on a curb, you hit a lamp post. Not fast, but. It's something that your parents will realize the next day. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. So you got an SUV as a, as a first car. What about you, Richard? Uh, you, you know you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> uh, my first car is a BMW 630M Sport. You're joking. <laughs> no. You're joking. Even no. in the UK? My first car is here. Oh. Uh, so when you're talking about, you know, your first car and you're going to get dings in it and you're going to bash the door in, and yeah, <laughs> this is when I start to worry. Okay, so but, you better not be getting any dings and bashing. Exactly. Anything. But if I was to look back, I mean, forget about my first cars, but I'll, I'll very quickly, you know, look at my dad and, and how he, the kind of cars that he got through right. um, were very old, Volvo 244DL. Right, um, yeah. You know, very, very kind of physically demanding cars that didn't have power steering and things that you could fix yourself. And if anything went wrong, you didn't need to yeah. take it to a garage. You could do it yourself. Correct. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I remember my, my dad kind of worked at. Vauxhall, Viva, right. um, that kind of stuff. Um, th- those are kind of vivid memories. Of, oh, and a, the Ford Capri, of course. Right. Um, yeah. I think my dad's first car, though, I think you, you might be right, Daniel. I, I think it was, it was some kind of Austin. Mm, exactly. Would have been something made in UK, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think it was an Austin Metro, I think. And the thing is, and the thing is, UK had like 20-odd car companies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? They did, yeah. Yeah, a lot uh, of them. But, you know, sadly, a lot of them were, were too specialized and they didn't, they didn't think global, you know? That's right. Anyway, what, what about your first car, Daniel? What was it? Oh, I was waiting for you to come to that. <laughs> <laughs> my first car was something which I bought with my very own money. Yes, my father helped me out with with a, with a, with a, with, a, with a little bit of it, but most of the money came from me from my savings. Was a Mazda RX three rotary engine Capella. Wow! How many times did you break down? Here's the thing: <laughs> I never broke down in that car. What? I never broke down in the car. I bought the car second end. I bought the car because I always want. At that point, rotary engines were the the, the rave. I'm talking about you know. I was, in, I was yeah. going to college and everyone was driving their mother's Nissan Sunny or Toyota KE or, you know, old Ford Escort and everything else. So you turned up in a Mazda RX-3 and a mullet, Ex- I guess. No, I didn't have a mullet. I didn't have that. <laughs> <laughs> so what, 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 hang on, what model was this? Like a 73, 74 or what? Uh, it was a 76, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Twin round lights in front, twin round lights at the rear because the rotary engines had twin round lights. Beautiful car. The petrol version had a complete light cluster system, yeah, chrome bumpers, and it 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 just went. It was fast for its time. But I used to study in in Damansara Otama in a college. I used to live in Bangsa. I lived in Bangsa when I was young. Mm. The journey will take at that time when petrol was less than eighty cents a liter. I needed five liters to get to college. <laughs> <laughs> and what color was it? It was black. Wow. It had a spread eagle painted on the bonnet. 
You are joking. I am not joking. If anybody who knows me from my college days can verify this, call into cruise control and verify this. <laughs> we need to find a picture of that. I, yeah. I'm so looking for one right now. <laughs> and the exhaust system was straight cut. That means from the engine to the rear, there was no mufflers. Oh, man. So it was noisy as hell. I bet people loved you in the neighborhood, didn't they? Yes, it backfired at every gear change. And because I lived on a slight slope in the older part of Bangsa, huh. when I go out in the morning, I roll down the hill first. So you didn't wake the neighbors up? <laughs> I didn't wake my immediate neighbors who I loved. <laughs> the rest I didn't give a, a two. So when I'm down to about 20 houses, I switch on the engine and the engine fires up and then there's a pop at the back, you know? And I drive out on Jalan Marov. And then what happened is after a couple of weeks, I realized that I couldn't afford the petrol. So just down the road from my house was a was an old friend of mine who, li- who was who's living there with his parents and he was going to the same college. And then mm. we also managed to find a few others in other parts of Bangsa who were also going to the same college. So every day I collect two ringgit from everybody. Good work. So five of us, two ringgit, two ringgit, two ringgit. That's eight ringgit plus my two ringgit, ten ringgit. I put fuel. We whack it to college and we whack it back. Wow. Very entrepreneuring. I don't know about you, Rich, but is, is Daniel actually cool? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah I, think, I think so. And I'm, I'm kind of jealous because I love the way this thing looks. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. It's a two-door, <laughs> right, Daniel? Uh, no, they, they had a four-door and a two-door, but I had the four-door. Oh, you had the four-door one. Ah. Yeah, well, such a cool car. Very, very cool. So that was my history. And then... Six months or seven months into ownership, the best thing ever happened to me. I had an accident. Uh-oh. I went down a ravine. Oh, did you? <laughs> now, why I say the best thing ever happened to me? Because I walked out of the car. I literally climbed out of the car with just my sunglasses cracked. You're lucky. Okay? So that taught me a lesson not to drive fast, not to drive dangerously, and to always keep my car in good running condition in terms of brakes, tires, suspension. I'm just imagining, you know, this thing cruising down the street in, you know, a 1976 model with your over fenders on and your tail wing on it and your nose fins built in and all, and a spread eagle on the front. Yes, and then, you know, sunglasses. And sunglasses. Day or night. So the thing <laughs> is, after that, I got the car fixed. It was very, very expensive for the time. It took out all my savings. But after that, I was a very, very good driver. And that's why you should buy a Myvi. <laughs> yes. And since then, touch wood, I've never had an accident. Oh, good on you. Well done. All those stories that you told, that's essentially what everybody does right now with their Myvi, right? Correct. Correct. And we make fun of people for doing that with these big, huge exhausts and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, that's, that's what you do with these cars. It's a right no, of you, have, you have to do it. If you don't do it, you, you're not lived. You're not lived. I think that's a Satri you're talking about, right? No, but even the Myvi, they do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen well, I, I can't put any big exhaust on my car anyway, so I've missed out on that. No, you still can. <laughs> you can plenty of ways to spend your <laughs> money, Rich. You can put a you can put a big side exhaust that comes out just just before I the rear tire. I don't need that. Anyway, <laughs> I think it's time for us to wrap up before we get lost in nostalgia forever. Exactly. Uh, you have to find a picture of that car, Daniel, and it has to go up on our Instagram page somewhere. You have to find a <laughs> yeah. picture. 
Anyway, uh, ladies and gents, thank you very much for joining us today. Of course, this has been Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM with me, Rich Bradbury, Ari Fruz, and Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. We've been talking about Gran Turismo in the Olympics, the Volvo S90, the Alpine A110, the Porsche Panamera, and of course, the Volkswagen Polo uh, facelift. And then whether or not uh, it's the best car for a teenager, of course, the Peridua Myvi. This has been Cruise Control here on BFM 89.9. for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on itunes bfm 89.9 the business station